Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this April 13th, 2018. Oh, I just realized it is Friday the 13th. Well, hey, what better thing to do on Friday the 13th but to have a, a show that really blesses the saints of God. I am so happy to bring on my guest today. Before I bring my amazing guest on, I love doing shows with her. She's a guest, but she's also a very close personal friend and colleague. She is a powerhouse. I can't wait to do this teaching. Very quickly, listen, if you're not one of my patrons, go there in the description and do become a VIP patron. Why? Because next week, the only way that you can get the program, and I don't know if that's going to be permanent or not, but YouTube is really ticking me off with their censorship, and I'm debating if I'm even going to use it anymore. Well, mind you, probably won't be my decision because I'm already at two strikes. Listen, go and become one of my patrons so that you don't miss out on listening to the show for VIP members. So do become a VIP patron member. Listen, without further ado, I want to bring on my guest today. Actually, speaking of financial blessing, this is really an interesting topic because God's people get really confused because a lot of the prosperity pulpiteers, preachers need to preach a balanced message. And it is not balanced from some people. All they seem to talk about is planes, trains, automobiles, and lascivious lifestyles for the rich and famous. And a lot of people are the other end of the continuum. I don't want to love money, so therefore I can't have any. There's just such a huge discrepancy here. And you know what? It's got to the point where God's people are so turned off about talking about money. But you know what the interesting thing is? And why Carla and I are going to get into this topic today is because I recently posted on two separate social media platforms. I said, hey, you know what? I want to pray for you. Inbox me, private message me, and I will pray for every single one of you that sends me a prayer request. And I thought I would get, you know, all sorts of stuff. Well, actually, when I ended up counting them all on both social media platforms, it was over 200 prayer requests. And you're not going to believe this. Almost every one of them, with the exception for maybe a handful, was about finances. Pray for my finances. Pray for resources. My husband needs a job. Our company just downsized. We really need to pray for finances. So here's the thing. We got a problem because no one wants to talk about finances because people get turned off when you talk about money. The other problem is, though, people are praying for them. You know, people, one lady complained to me, you know, oh, $25 Patreon. Hey, listen, I can't afford that. That's too much a month for me. I thought, listen, you know what? If you don't have $25 to bless a ministry a month, then I'm not even talking about my ministry. If you don't have an extra $25 a month, there's something wrong with that picture. I know there's people that tell me all the time, I'm on a limited income. And I say, you're right. You are being limited on your income if you're going to word curse it like that. Listen to me. God is not limited. People say, well, I'm on a fixed income. Uh, Well, God can fix that. You know, here's the thing. We have to be very careful. Our words have power. Remember what it says? Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. In other words, what you are professing, I can't afford it. I'm broke. I'm this. I'm that. Fill in the blank. Well, guess what? Your word cursing yourself. Don't limit 
God is what I'm trying to say here. But anyway, the point is, Carla, we really wrestled with what to call this show. I mean, I liked your I liked your title. Why not prosperity? Question mark. But I'm going to have to probably come up with something else because you mentioned the word prosperity. People just get a glazed look. They zone out. They tune out. Because again, that prosperity word, we talked about that. It's, uh, well, we're going to get into this, but I'm going to come up with something. I know it. I'm going to know it when I hear it. Because I don't want people not to be blessed by this show just from the topic. This is going to be really powerful because we're also going to have a very powerful prayer at the end. Get your notebooks out. I'm serious about this. This show is going to be the mother of all shows. And all those people that contacted me on social media, remember all the ones on finances? You want to pay attention to this. So Carla, I'm just going to hand you the mic, get into this teaching, and you shoot it back to me when you're ready. Well, and it might benefit at the very beginning of this program to say, don't let the title scare you off, because I'm telling you, when you start talking about money in any respect, people roll their eyes and, oh, here we go, you know, because you hear that, oh, all preachers want is your money. No, that's not what this is about. And I really hope people will stick with us. And I hope that this will be a thought-provoking conversation here. And it's not just going to be a conversation. It's going to be packed full of God's Word and the problem with the whole subject of prosperity. That's a title right there, the problem with prosperity. But it's not really a problem for God, though. That's the thing. (laughs) No, but it has become a problem for the church. You know, this is what I see. I looked back in our archives. We have done a show on poverty and prosperity or something to that effect, but this is totally different. I'm coming from a totally different direction. I'm going to tell you how this actually was stirred about in my spirit to begin with. I'm sorry to say it was 10 years ago. It Actually, it was in 2007. And that's embarrassing to me that something has been in my spirit that long with the passion that I feel about it and have not really spoken about it openly and freely. You know, I always have to rein myself back. Because you know what? The perversion, what I have found is that Satan has found a way to take what belongs to God's people and pervert it in the church, in the body of Christ, to the point that God's people will not even step up to receive that part of the inheritance that he has for us. That's what this conversation is going to be about. Well, you said you had to rein yourself back. What is that about? We we get so pressured because this is exactly the problem. No one wants to talk about it because of the fact that Satan has hijacked it. For the purposes of people thinking, okay, they're just charlatans. Like, you don't even have to ask for money. You just have to bring up finances and people zone right out or they just, they tune it out. Right. You know, and it's not only about the money thing. You know, when I first started teaching publicly, I had not been camping out in front of church channels. In fact, I've never been able to get them. I don't think God wanted me tuning into all of that stuff. He wanted me to dig in the Word for myself. And that's actually what I have done has been sitting at the feet of Jesus and just feeding on his word. So one of the first ministers that I met when I went to teach in a conference, he walked up to me and he said, oh, you're one of those word faith people. And I said, 
yes, I am. I was very proud that he understood that I have a lot of faith in the Word of God, (laughs) not knowing that it was really a slam. Because, you know, are you one of those word faith people, one of those blab it, grab it people? You know, this is what the devil has done with those parts of the Word of God that have been perverted by the enemy with the purpose of keeping God's people from having it. And I don't like that. I know people who honestly think that to be poor and base, we can call it, you know, base, just poor, is holy. If you're rich, you can't be holy. Now, we're going to talk about some of those scriptures that have been misquoted, misunderstood, and misused. But let me just take a step back before I get get ahead of myself. This is how all of this started getting stirred up to me. I have a booklet called Fight for Your Life. I wrote it years ago, back in the 90s, whenever I was sick and tired of losing good Christian people to cancer. You know, why should this be happening to the body of Christ? Okay, so I wrote this little booklet. It was just typed on regular typing paper. I would staple it together myself. I've probably given out 5,000 of these before they were ever published. Well, I knew a lady that I met at a, at a meeting, and she, she was a school teacher, but she did editing on the side for, like, magazines and stuff. So when I was ready to publish this booklet, I called her because I thought, you know, if I'm going to give anybody the money to do a service, I'm going to find a Christian. Okay, so I call her up, and I tell her what I need. I said, so what do you charge? Now, she does editing for secular magazines as well as she did some for Charisma at one time and different publications. So I said, well, how much do you charge for your editing? And she said, well, I won't be charging you anything. And I said, why would you do that? And immediately I wanted to slap my hand over my face. I could hear myself saying, shut up, Carla. I mean, hey, I like a good deal as much as anybody else. And even for free, hey, that's really a deal. But why did I say, why would you do that? Well, she says back to me, and I know this all happened because God was trying to make a point with me. Okay, so she said, well, you are going to be giving away these booklets, aren't you? I remembered a conversation I had one time with Frank Marzullo Sr. When I first met him in 2001, he told me, he said, you're going to be writing one day. And when you start writing books, he said, don't you dare give those books away for free. Well, I had thought about all these things I'd been giving away for years because I wanted people to have it, you know. And I said, why? He said, because what doesn't cost a person has no value to them. Now, I had to think about that a couple of times. What doesn't cost a person has no value to them. You're going to find it on the dash of their car, under the car seat, just thrown around because it didn't cost them anything. It has no value to them. Now, that's the truth. You will find that that is the truth. Okay, so when I was having this conversation, I was in the car on the way to meet with a man who told me he would help me with a website because I didn't have a website. He said, you're going to need a website. Well, this friend of mine who is a pastor's wife, she said, well, you know, the, the fellow that does our website here would be happy to help you. Okay, so I called him up, and I'm driving to meet him. Now, I already had the conversation with the lady, and I told her, I said, no, I will not be giving these away. I said, let me tell you, first of all, I don't have a tent-making job like, like Paul did. I am basically a housewife, but I do this for the Lord. You know, this is my job. I work for God. And 
if I have these things printed, pay to have them printed, do all of the work, and then give them away, well, when it's time, when I run out, I'm going to have to spend that much money again. And we're not filthy rich, you know, to do that. Okay, so so I said, well, let me tell you, I'll just call you back when I get ready. Well, I never did call her back. Well, I went to see the guy about the website. I'm expecting to see a professional-looking guy, dressed nicely, like he would wear to church, carrying a briefcase probably or a computer case. And the guy who walked into the place, I thought, Lord, surely this is not him. Well, it was him. Now, please understand me. I am not criticizing the man. I'm making a point here. So the guy comes in, looks like he slept in his clothes, but real nice guy. So he sat down and we start talking a little bit about website. And I said, oh, you know what? I should ask you what your fee is before we get started, you know, get into this too much. And he said, well, I'm not going to charge you anything. Now, this is the second time within a few hours that I'm hearing this. Again, what comes out of my mouth, usually it's like, really? Thank you, you know. <laughs> but no, what comes out, why would you do that? I said, didn't you have to go to college to learn? You know, he specializes in computer stuff. He said, yeah. I said, and so that you could get a good job, right? He said, yeah. I said, do you have a good job? He says, well, I have a job, but I have a couple of other jobs that I do on the side. And then he does this even on the side of that. So here is this man spending almost every hour of his waking time working. And there's nothing wrong with that. I am not knocking a hard worker. Okay, so he says, well, you are going to give your stuff away, aren't you? And here it is again. And I said, well, actually, I'm not. I said, you know, if I offer CDs, which, you know, are almost a thing of the past, but I used to reproduce CDs and carry those to conferences and stuff. Well, anyway, I said, look, first of all, I've got to go buy all of these CDs. I've got to pay to have them reproduced. I've got to buy the cases to put them in, labeling, all of that. Then I've got to, you know, go to a conference. You pay for the table and all of that. Then they're all gone. The reason you charge is so that you can replace it. Now, my husband has a little optical business. He's not an optometrist, but he is a lab optician. He does everything when the doctor gets through with you, with the glasses. And he told me one time, and I thought, what a shame. He said, you know who the worst customer I hate to see coming in my office? I said, who is that? The one that walks in saying, praise Jesus, because he said they're going to sit down and they're going to want the glasses for free, or they're going to want them for half price. And I thought, you know, that is really bad advertisement for God, <laughs> you know. But back to this fellow who was helping me with the website. Okay, I gave him all the information. He gave me what I needed to do. I thought, well, Lord, I'm not going to quibble about him doing it for nothing. When he gets done, I'll send him a gift, you know, like money, like a $500 check or something. So we leave the restaurant. Now, we were in Houston, and it was real, you know, traffic is terrible in Houston. So I'm sitting there waiting for the opportunity to turn. And I look in my rearview mirror, and I thought, what in the world? Because there was something on top of this hood in the car behind me. And, I, you know, I could tell what was going on. It was a set of lights that weren't supposed to be on the hood of the car, but they were screwed into the hood of the car and wires coming out and going under the hood hooked to the battery or 
something. It was the man who came to help me with my website. <laughs> and his car was full. I mean, it looked like he lived in his... And he may have. I don't know. And then, of course, you know, you have your bumper stickers about Jesus and everything. And yet, it just... You know, that's where my mind just started saying, Lord, what is wrong with this picture? Then God began to... Talk to me about this. Now, like I said, I haven't really shared it openly from my heart like I am right now because people will form judgment about the things that I'm saying. But you know what? When God starts stirring me about something, I know there is something behind it. There's something that he wants us to know about this subject. So I am reading in the Word one day, and I come across some scripture. Okay, so here is the, the confirmation as I read it in Luke sixteen eight. Now, this is the story around the unjust steward. You know the story. This man is, he's either, he's been turned in as misusing the money of his boss, which is called a, the Lord in this story. Okay, he gets fired and he says, to beg, I'm too proud and I can't dig ditches. So what am I to do? So he went to all the men that owed his boss money. He called them all to his house, and he asked them, how much do you owe? And they, each one said, I owe 100. Okay, sit down and write me 50, or I owe 80. Sit down and write me 40. So what he did, he became a collection agent, actually, went out and got all this money, not in full, but in part. And brought it to the boss. Now, this is what it says in Luke 16, verse 8. And the Lord commended. That means he pat him on the back. He told him how smart he was. He commended the unjust steward because he had done wisely. And this is Jesus talking. And then he says this. For the children of this world are wiser than the children of light. And when I read that, I thought to myself, you know, He's got a point here. The children of this world are wiser than the children of light. People that are in the world, I'm talking about people who are not Christians. They'll open a business, they'll provide a service or a product, and they put a, a value on whatever they're selling. And you know what? We will go buy it. The people in the church go and buy all of this stuff. I mean, we think about, or do we, think about where our money is actually going. We are making the world rich, actually. Now, I know there's somewhere in the Bible that says that the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous. At some point, there will be an exchange. And I don't know how that's going to happen, and that's not where I'm going in this message today. But I thought I could even hear the sound of sorrow in Jesus' voice as he said that. The children of this world are wiser than the children of light. And why should that be? We belong to God the Father. We, it says in the Word, have the mind of Christ. We are to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Why should really any of God's people be destitute? That's my question. And I mean people everywhere. Oh, well, I can't afford to do that. Now, I'm not as far down as I used to be. I mean, there were times I would stand in the grocery store and hardly be able to buy meat. You know, I could buy other stuff. But when I got to the meat counter, it was like, okay, do I have enough to get some hamburger? You know, it, and of course, then there are others who walk by and their baskets are piled and they're dragging two baskets and they get to the counter and they're dripping in 
gold and the latest fashions, and they pull out their food stamp card. I'm serious, and I'm thinking, Lord, there is something wrong with this picture. Something is not right. Now, I'm not criticizing those people either. I have family members that have had to use that. I don't begrudge the poor. We're supposed to help the poor. But as Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. He got, Jesus was even criticized for allowing the woman with the alabaster box. And Judas was the money holder. You know, they criticized her for doing that. Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always, but with me not so. Okay, so I look at the principles of God. Well, I want to go back to the to the steward. Here's a good question. Are you a good steward with your money? That's an honest question. Here's another question that came to me years ago. Do you respect your money? Do you have money bills wadded up, stuffed in your purse, they're falling out of your pockets, your jacket pockets, um, laying in the dash of your car, down in the cup holder? Or do you respect your money? We should respect our money. You know, put it in your wallet. That's just common practice for some. But it's a question that you should think about. Are you a good steward with your money? And do you respect your money? When Hagar was run out of the camp, when Isaac was born and she wanted Hagar out of there, Abraham sent him out. Hagar and the little boy, or however old he was, I don't know how old he was, he was called a lad in the scripture, but they ran out of food and water. And Hagar put her son under that bush. She went over here, and the word says that God heard the cries of the lad. Maybe the mother wasn't even crying. She may have just given up hope. But the little boy was crying, and God heard the cries of the lad, and he opened Hagar's eyes, probably her spiritual eyes, because we know she wasn't blind, and she saw a well of water. Now, I believe that God opened her spiritual eyes, and she saw what she needed in the kingdom realm. She saw a well of water. It wasn't just a bottle of water. Whatever God does is in excess. And you know what? That changed the meaning of a scripture for me. Philippians 4.19, where it says, My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Right? All our need. The story of the loaves and the fishes. Five loaves, two fishes in uh, Matthew 14. And it says that he multiplied the fish and the bread. Multiplied means increase. There were only five loaves and two fishes, and yet he fed the 5,000 or however many were there, and he had 12 baskets of leftovers. He didn't just break even with the bread and the fish. No, he had 12 baskets of, of excess. In Matthew 15, with the seven loaves and the two fish, he had seven baskets left over. You know, when Jesus needed that tax money, he sent the disciples down and said, the first fish you, you pull up, the money will be in the fish's mouth. You didn't see Jesus setting up a fundraiser. He didn't organize a garage sale. He didn't sell tickets for a raffle. He didn't even take up a love offering. God supplied what he needed. And we're coming to the days where we're going to need to know that God can supply all your need. Okay? When Jesus came on the scene and he was calling the disciples, 
he required them to leave their jobs. Do you realize that? Have you ever thought about that? He, mm-hmm. he just said, come and follow me. These guys were involved in family businesses. They were fishing with their dad, or it was two brothers fishing. Matthew was a tax collector. Jesus said, come and follow me. They got up and left their livelihood to follow Jesus. But I find that interesting. In Matthew 10, Jesus calls the disciples in chapter 10, verse 5. He says, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Now, that's another one that gets thrown around, too that people think that you should just give your stuff away. Provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your purses, nor a bag for your journey, neither two coats, no changes of clothes, neither shoes nor yet a staff, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So, see, when God, when Jesus sent them out, I mean, can you imagine someone sending a missionary today? Now, don't worry, don't take any money, don't take any any change of clothes, or just go. God will provide. How many people would do that? <laughs> I've heard of some who did, who depended on God for every single thing, and God always provided. But you know, we would rather know for sure that if we leave, we're going to be able to at least get back, right? But I find it interesting that he made them go and not take anything. Yet there did come a time in Luke 22 that he told the disciples, and he asked them this, when I sent you out without anything, lacked you anything? And they said nothing. So see, all this time they were with Jesus, they were never in lack. God provided everything that they needed. But see, Jesus was fixing to leave. He was fixing to be crucified. So he told them in Luke 16, verse 35, he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and bag and shoes, lacked you anything? And they said nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it, and likewise his bag. And if he hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. Now I've talked about this scripture before in a different subject, but I think Jesus was telling us, you know, now you're going to need, you're fixing to enter into a battle. So have your provisions and buy a sword. In this scripture was the confirmation that Jesus told me in 2011 that the warfare between the kingdom of light and kingdom of darkness is intensifying. And it is intensifying. It has intensified. So that's the time that we are in today. Okay, so I want you to know that everything that God is about is multiplication and increase. He uses the word multiply 42 times. Be fruitful and multiply. It never said be fruitful and be in lack or be fruitful and break even. He never says that. He says be fruitful and multiply. Okay, even the word fruit means increase. That's what the word fruit means. The story of the talents. Remember that? In Matthew 25, I'm going to go there. 
29, I'm not going to read all of that, but in the parable of the talents, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and to every man according to his ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made other five talents. So he doubled his. And like, see, that's multiplication. He multiplied it and he increased. Likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that received the one went and dug in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now, we know the the rest of the story. The Lord comes back, and he sees that this man that had five now has ten. The one who had two now has four. And the one who has one hid his because he didn't want to be found without, when the guy came back, to be able to give him what he gave him. No, he should have had more. He said, take this and give it to the one who multiplied the most. See, that's what God, that's what the kingdom is about multiplying. Another story, he talks about the types of ground, the types of soil, the seed falls on hard ground, stony ground, weeds. Anyway, he he talks about the seed and it says some falls on good ground and yields 30, 60, or 100 fold. He's looking for increase. That's what he's all about. The kernels of corn starts with the corn falls into the ground, the seed dies, and then up comes the blade. And then there's ears of corn, and on those ears of corn are many kernels of corn, which you could scrape those off, let them dry out, and then plant those, and you've got fields of corn. That's the way the kingdom works. He talks about fruit trees. The seed of the tree will be in the fruit. So you plant one apple seed, and you don't get one apple. You get a tree with hundreds of apples. That's why he always uses these things to talk about the kingdom. So why should we be lacking? It was never about lack. It's always a process of increase. Even the word multiply means increase in number, make many times more. The word increase means make or become greater in size, number, value, or power. It's the act of adding to. It's never about lack. In fact, if you look at Deuteronomy 28, there's a list in the curses. In verse 12, it says, We will lend unto many and not borrow. It says that we are the head and not the tail. Lack is a curse. And so Jesus tells us in John 10.10, The thief cometh not but to kill, steal, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have more, that means greater, in number, size, amount, extent, additional, extra, steadily increasing. That they might have more abundantly. Abundantly is an extremely plentiful or oversufficient in quantity or supply. Well, overflowing fullness. It also means the property of being lush and abundant and a pleasure to the senses. In 3 John 1-2, John says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prosperous. Now the word prosper means to succeed in material terms, be financially successful, thrive financially. It means flourish. 
even as thy soul prospers. See, now there's a question you can ask yourself. Is your soul prospering? And the way your soul prospers is by the Word of God. We should always be having our soul prospering more and more. Now, in Malachi, now, sometimes when you talk about the tithe, people get nervous, but it's mentioned in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, so I don't have a problem with the tithe. I tell you who has a problem with the tithe, people who don't want to let go of their money. You know, this is one thing that God loves is a cheerful giver. And, you know, people, when we were lacking, we had people that would help us from time to time. It was always a blessing to us. And I remember a time when, you know, I always appreciated the blessing, but then it got to the point that I began to say to the Lord, I want to be a blesser, Lord. I want to become a blesser. I want to get to that point in my life when I can be a blessing to someone else and not always the one needing to be blessed. And that time has come, and I'm grateful for that. But, you know, I don't think that we have to go through times of poverty and lack. There are times that we will suffer, and we should do it gladly for the Lord. But I don't want to be in that place of suffering my whole life long. And especially those who belong to the Lord, it's almost like King David. You know King David's children dressed pretty good. Solomon and King David, they prospered. But it wasn't about the money. See, here again, it is about a heart attitude. It says in Malachi 3, verse 10, Malachi 3, 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me how herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. That sounds pretty good, right? So if we give, he gives back. Now there are those script give and it shall be given unto you, pressed down. Now here is the process of multiplication, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will men give unto your bosom. That is a spiritual principle. It also says in verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast its fruit before its time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. A delightsome land. He's going to pour out a blessing more than enough. He's going to rebuke the devourer, that's Satan, so that he shall not destroy the fruit or the increase. Remember, fruit means increase of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast its fruit before the time. That means loss. If your vine casts its fruit before the time, that means you have loss. And all nations shall call you blessed. And that word means wildly level, right, happy, going forward, honest and prosperous, and you shall be a delightsome land. That's a place of extreme pleasure, satisfaction, joy, and keen enjoyment. But let me tell you, none of that's going on if you're broke. Now, there may be principles that you're not following that are causing you to be in lack. That's another lesson. But in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, it says, The chastisement of our peace, that means whatever is causing us not to have the peace that belongs to us, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes you are healed. That means 
healthy, safe, well, healthy, prosperous, at rest, happy, friendly, complete, which means lacking nothing and restored. So this is all in the Word. In Matthew 6:25 through 33, that's where it says, Be anxious for nothing, because the Lord knows what you need. Look at the birds of the air. They're, they're not storing up. They're not doing all that. The fields, they're clothed with flowers. They don't worry about what they're going to wear, and God's telling us not to worry about it either. But in verse 33, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to lay your head, will be added unto you. Not taken away, doing without, lacking in being in want. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, if you're seeking first the riches, now we're going to get into what that is all about. But first, I want to read Proverbs 10:22. The blessing of the Lord. Here we go back to blessing. The blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. But thou shalt remember, Deuteronomy 8, 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Now that is an important part right there. He gives us the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant. Would you use your wealth? to establish the covenant of God, to further the kingdom of God? Or do you just want wealth so you can have bigger and better and more stuff? Wealth in strong, the strong definition of wealth means great goods, great riches, great substance. The Webster definition of wealth is abundance of possession or resources and affluence. If you belong to God, Our first and foremost purpose for being here is to serve him, to increase his kingdom, to further his kingdom on this earth, to multiply believers, you know, by bringing people into the kingdom. See, when the Hebrews were in bondage to Egypt, they were slaves. God's people had become slaves to Egypt. But when God brought them out of Egypt, he instructed Moses to tell the people to ask their neighbors for silver and gold and jewels and raiment. Let me read that to you if you're not familiar with it. It's in Exodus. God tells Moses what he's going to do in Exodus 3, verse 21. He said, and I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, talking about the Hebrews, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty, but every woman shall ask of her neighbor and of her who sojourneth in her house jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall despoil the Egyptians." That's what God told Moses he was going to do. And then in Exodus 12, it talks about when it happened. It says in verse 12, 35, And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. God told Moses, Moses told the people, And asked of the Egyptians jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they gave unto them the things that they asked, and they despoiled the Egyptians. 
they didn't leave empty-handed. They left laden down with gold and silver and jewels and raiment. But here's the deal. When it was time to build the tabernacle in the wilderness, that's what they used to build the tabernacle, a place where they would worship. They melted down the gold and the silver. I mean, God was very specific about every single thing that they were to do with all of the riches that they had brought out of Egypt. So see, it wasn't just so they could live lavishly, although we are supposed to live pleasantly. In fact, when the Jews rejected Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to turn to the Gentiles and make the Jews jealous with what he does with the Gentiles. That's what our lives are supposed to be so great that those people who don't know the Lord will say, I have got to know this God of yours. We should be healthy. We should be wealthy. We should be holy, live in holy lives, happy. We should be happy. We shouldn't be burdened down and tormented and full of sickness like we are. I mean, I'm just taking a good look at what the Word says. And when I look at the body of Christ as a whole, I don't see it. Okay, see, I start talking about prosperity. Oh, you're one of those prosperity preachers. No, I'm not. But I'm not a poverty preacher either. I don't think that we have to live in poverty. The scriptures say in the parable of the rich young ruler, it wasn't the fact that Okay, the rich the story of the rich young ruler in Mark ten seventeen about the rich young ruler. And we all know this this story well too, but it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeling to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. I want to point something out here. When Jesus said, don't you know the commandments? Do not commit adultery. Do not this. Do not that. The one thing Jesus didn't say is, don't have any other gods before me. He left that out. And I I think that it was an act of mercy on this guy, because even if he had put that in there, the guy probably would have said, oh, all these I have observed from my youth. No, Jesus let him know that you lack one thing, and that was the fact that he he held those things in idolatry. That's why he was sad, because he couldn't do what Jesus was asking him to do. A lot of people think that this story is about Jesus making the man give away his wealth in order to serve him. That's not the point. The point is he was in idolatry, and it even says this. He was sad at that saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. 
And Jesus looked round about and said unto his disciples, With what difficulty shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man, again, that trusts in his riches, he just said that, to enter into the kingdom of God. It's not hard to enter the kingdom of God if you're rich. It is hard to enter into the kingdom of God if you're rich and you trust in your riches instead of trusting in God. And I think that kind of, you know, the whole point of what I'm trying to say is that God doesn't begrudge anyone from being rich. He made his men in the Old Testament rich, no problem. But now it's hard to find somebody that doesn't trust in their riches and trust in God. If you can be a good steward with God's money, if you can bless others and give into the kingdom in order to increase the kingdom, I don't think God would withhold anything from us. I think living on barely got by street, Carla, how can you bless people when you're always broke? And and I really have this I have this burden. There's so many precious people being tricked by spirits of poverty because I do have a burden lately for God's people specifically in the area of finances. You know what? It's time to kick the spirit of poverty to the curb. You know, the spirit of poverty, it deceives, it deludes, it blinds God's people. Like we said in the beginning, being poor is always a curse. God wants to bless us abundantly. But Satan is the one that wants to devour our resources. He does. And he's also twisted the word to pervert it, to cause people to shy away from even having that part of the blessing because they don't want to be thought of as one of these prosperity people. That, to me, is is the biggest tragedy of all in this, is how Satan is so, you know, it's just like the guy who called me a word faith person. Yes, I have faith in the word. That is where my faith is. But why has that become a derogatory remark? The blab it, grab it, or trying to speak things into being. And, you know, in Romans chapter 4, I talk about this principle in the message that I've done on your show called... Um, faith in the midst of a battle. One of the principles that God used with many in the Old Testament was like changing their name. Abram, he named him Abraham, made him call himself Abraham because it meant a father of a multitude, and he didn't even have a child. You know, Ishmael was not the promised seed. We all know that. But he was waiting for that one that God promised him, and he kept asking God about it. And finally God said, you know what? Your your name will no longer be Abram. It's going to be Abraham. He was going to make him profess the thing that God had said. And that really is a prophetic word. I am Abraham. I am a father of a multitude, even though he had no children. But look what happened. Now he is a father of a multitude. So I always say that this idea of calling those things that are not as though they were was not any man's idea. It was God's principle that he used, even like with Ezekiel speaking to the dry bones. You know, we even sing the song, and now let the 
poor say I am rich. You know, they're, they're, they'll sing that song, but then damn the saying. It's, all, it's like we're schizophrenic. Let's say what God says. That's what I always say. We must come in agreement with God and not the world and not the devil. It's a lying spirit that comes, oh no, oh no, you can't, you can't have that because, I mean, what will people think? Well, as long as I am serving God with it and increasing the kingdom of God with it, God's not looking down on me. People will, but God won't. This is, I don't know, I just, I am so tired of Satan robbing us from what belongs to us. That's the whole thing behind why I'm talking about this, because God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be able to be a blessing to the nations. We are to be the lender and not the borrower. You know, the word says that the borrower is the slave to the lender. And speaking of slaves, here we are, God's children. We're living a righteous life. We're tithing. We are working for the kingdom. And yet we were always in lack. In fact, at one time we were in so much debt and we we were debt free. We had reached a debt free place in our life and then all of a sudden, wham, 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 this is before I knew how to fight the enemy. But I was my head was spinning. I didn't know what was happening. It was like we had a hole in our wallets and you know, we had a lien against our house and all this stuff was happening and I was praying about it and I was uh I was asking God, where where are these windows of heaven? that is supposed to be opening up, we tithe and we give above our tithe. And yet it's like the devourer is devouring us. And then I had the open vision of the windows of heaven. They're wide open. God is pouring out his blessings to his people. But Satan had uh, posted this big old demon right under the windows of heaven. And he was catching the blessings and funneling it over into the enemy's camp. It all came about from singing that song. I went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. And we're singing this somewhere, and I just stopped dead in my tracks. I said, Lord, who do I know that ever went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole? Because we'd been stolen from a lot. And then God gave me that open vision, and Satan was standing outside the gate where all these blessings were being held hostage from God's people. And when I saw that, I just said, no way. In the name of Jesus, Satan, I bind you, I rebuke you and render you powerless. I command you to loose everything you've stolen from us. I send out the harvesting angels to bring it into me and to the house of Butad. And it says in the word that when the thief is discovered, because I had just discovered the thief, I was questioning God about all this. God showed me what was really going on. I discovered the thief, and the word says, just like in the story of Job, he was restored double. So I called in the double of everything that had been stolen from us. And the things that started happening right after that were just amazing. It's a real thing that's going on in the spirit realm. And most Christians don't even know it. They don't even know that Satan is the one. You know what they'll say? Well, if God let this happen to me, there must be a reason. Well, what about the devil? If you don't factor in the enemy, everything is God. And I'm here to tell you everything that happens is not God. There's a scripture in Proverbs 6.31 that said, but if, if he be found the thief, he shall restore 
sevenfold. I like that idea, too. I'll take it. Hey, I'll take it. Well, I do want to pray uh, before we leave here uh, over this, this deception that's been going on in the church about money and wealth. Okay, so Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just bind Satan's power right now, the power over our finances, the power that he uses to rob from us, the spirit of the thief, I bind you and break your power in Jesus' name. I come against that Antichrist spirit over our money in Jesus' name. I come against those lying spirits, every lie that has set up in our minds. I break those lies right now and command them to get out. Those spirits of deception that believe the lies, all those spirits of deception around money, around wealth, around poverty, around holiness, all the deception that the enemy has brought in, I break it off of God's people right now in Jesus' name. I bind that spirit of perversion exchanging truth for a lie. All of the times that Satan has come and exchanged the truth of God's Word for a lie to keep us from our inheritance, I break it now in the name of Jesus Christ. I come against those spirits of being greedy for gain, all the seducing spirits that want to seduce us into the wrong use of money, the wrong thoughts about money in Jesus' name. I bind all spirits of pride, all spirits of pride around money. I bind it and break its power in Jesus' name. The spirit of covetousness, that spirit that causes us to concentrate on the money. Mammon worship, the lust of money. I break lust for money in Jesus' name. Is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money is not evil in and of itself. I break that lie in Jesus' name. I come against materialism, just wanting more money to have more stuff, to use it on your own self. James said, you ask and you have not to spend it on your own self, on your lust. Father, I just, I exchange that belief for wanting to be prosperous and have multiplication and increase those principles working in our lives to further your kingdom, to help establish your covenant in the earth. I bind all spirits of idolatry, like the rich young ruler. He was into idolatry with his with his wealth. I break that idolatry in Jesus' name. All spirits of jealousy, seeing other people that have reached that place in their life and being jealous of them and what they have in Jesus' name. I bind the religious spirits. Oh, those religious spirits and those doctrines of demons that are trying to rob us from the inheritance that God wants us to have through Jesus Christ, to make us believe that we have to be poor to be holy. That is a lie from the pit of hell. I break that lie right now in Jesus' name. I break the lie that God doesn't want you to have money, that God doesn't want you to have wealth. He doesn't want you to have wealth without being a blessing and furthering the increase and multiplication of his kingdom. Father, put our minds in order. Put our, our desires in order in the name of Jesus. Right now, I break generationally inherited curses of poverty that have followed people down the bloodline. I break that poverty and lack, being in lack all the time in Jesus' name. I break that curse and I bind and break the spirit of poverty and lack, even poverty mindsets. I break them right now in the name of Jesus. And I command every familiar spirit that's come down, oh, the oh, poor me, I can't afford it, all those familiar 
familiar spirits of poverty and lack that came down through the bloodline. I break them right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Sheila, why don't you lose some stuff now? Okay, well, before I lose something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bind those word spoken curses. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind and break every word or spoken curse, everything that was spoken. I'm on a fixed income. I'm on a limited income. I can't afford it. We break those now in Jesus' name. We're not going to limit you, God. We loose that spirit of faith right now. Father, the scripture says the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. And right now, we call for a release of the wealth of the wicked to be brought into the hands of the righteous for the kingdom of God. We command every devil that has funneled every one of God's people's resources, devoured their prosperity and robbed them of their blessings to go in Jesus name. Satan, I bind you, rebuke you and render you powerless over their income, their finances, their prosperity. And like Carla said, we loose the spirit of favor in the area of their income, their finances, their prosperity, every area that concerns them around money. We loose that favor now in Jesus name. We loose increase. We loose abundance. We loose overflowing storehouses right now in Jesus' name. We loose the measure. We loose that Luke 6.38, that abundant measure right now in Jesus' name. And, and Father, remember where it says, yet if he's caught, he must pay it sevenfold. Satan, you've been discovered, and now we loose sevenfold substance of the house in Jesus' name right now. We loose that. And we thank you, Father, today. We thank you for the testimonies that are going to come in. We give you the glory, praise, and honor, Father. We thank you in advance for what you're doing. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. 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 Well, what a fantastic show, Carla. Thank you so much. In the waning moments here, give out your website and how folks can go to your website, get in touch with you, and also check out some of your other teachings over there. Okay. My website is my name, Carla Butad. That's C-A-R-L-A-B-U-T-A-U-D.com. And that'll take you to my website. That'll tell you all about me and and have the resources that I have there and just see what God will do. Well, and another resource I highly recommend is Power Prayers, Warfare That Works, written by yours truly and Carla. It is Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. Jump on over there to our book website. That is powerprayers.ca. We've heard from 147 countries, and this book is a game changer. And we don't say that as like some little cutesy statement. It is an incredible blessing this book is. Get yourself a couple copies of it and give them out and bless somebody with it. Listen, it's not .com. It's powerprayers.ca, like Charlie Alpha. And uh, by the way, one of the prayers we have in the book, and if you go to page 58, it's this very same prayer that we did here today. Very similar. So be blessed by that. I'll tell you, this book is, it really is a game changer. And I'm hoping people are very blessed by it. Listen, we're out of time, Carla. But thank you so much for coming on the program today. Come back and see us again soon. Thanks, Sheila. Enjoyed it. And God bless you, everybody. God bless you too, Carla. Thank you, folks. That was Carla Butod. That's CarlaButod.com. Her website is also linked there in the description below, as well as there's a link there directly to get copies of Power Prayers, subtitled Warfare That Works, and It Works. Let's just leave it at that. 
Hey, lastly, make sure again, a reminder, become one of my patrons today. You can see it down there in the description as well. Sheila Zielinski, Patreon, and become a $25 VIP member today. Because like I said in the beginning, that is going to be the only place you can listen to the show. And with the lineup I've got coming, you're not going to want to miss any of the shows. Simply go to Sheila Zielinski, Patreon. It is linked there below. I hope everyone was very blessed by this show, and I'm looking forward to the testimonies. Thank you so much for tuning into this program. You guys have a very blessed weekend. We'll see you real soon. Good night, and God bless.